original concept really related to a father and a son and twins. I mean, a son and a daughter. And it was that relationship that was the core of the, uh, of the story. Um, and uh, it went through a lot of machinations before I even got to the first draft screenplay. Uh, and uh, you know, various characters changed shapes and sizes and, and uh, their, uh, it isn't really until uh, it evolved into what is close to what Star Wars now is that then I began to go back and deal with the stories that evolved to get us to that point and that, you know, uh, it's hard to say really where the, you know, how it evolves into a, into a, a piece because it, you know, you evolve it with various scenes and various moments and, and when you're creating something like that, it, it, the story itself takes over and the characters take over and they begin to tell the story apart from what you're doing. You know, and you kind of go with it, and you have to go with it, and it sends you down some very funny paths. Then you have to figure out how to break that apart and put the puzzle back together so it makes sense and is cohesive. Uh, but that's the adventure of writing, is the fact that you're not sure where it's going to go. Um, and I think it took a while. I mean, I worked on Star Wars for a couple of years uh, before it evolved into what it is. episode number 72 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe, too. May the 4th came and went. Did you do anything to celebrate? I played Star Wars uh, Trio Pursuit. <laughs> How did it go? My friend uh, Andy from work and I played with our other friend Thor from work who basically rolled the dice, got to go first, and didn't get any questions wrong and made it through the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> So, so did did anyone else get to answer any questions at all? No, no, we had to we had to we had to start a second game with just the two of us that didn't win. Um, but we didn't make it all the way through it before lunch was over. Were there any questions that really stumped you? It was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, because <laughs> I I got a Nemodian question wrong. What? What? Yeah. What? I totally spaced out and, and didn't know. And I was like, if there's anyone that should get the Nemodian question right, 
it was me. So that's like, you know, when someone asks you, if you're filling out a form at the doctor's office or something and someone asks you, what's your phone number? And you're like, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it was, yeah. Cause it was at the Nimodian one. And then another one I spaced out on was I couldn't remember, um, Masamita's name. Oh my God. What? So I was like, man, I don't even deserve to win. <laughs> it can't be Gabe. It's Gabe impersonator. Yeah. It was a, it was a sad day. It's like an episode of black, black mirror. It's your robot duplicate. <laughs> and they only know the information from social media, but they don't know your true thoughts. Except for in that case, that that robot, I think, would remember Masamita. (laughs) I don't know. What did you do? Here in the eastern side of Michigan, there's the big Henry Ford Museum. And they have the, it used to be called, it used to be an IMAX screen, but now they just call it the giant screen experience. So, but it's a real, I think it's the only true IMAX screen in Michigan, but I could be wrong. But it's actually like a jumbo, jumbo giant screen. And they played uh, The Force Awakens on that. So my daughter and I went to that, and that was pretty great. And she dressed as Ray, and people were wanting to get their picture taken with her, which she was, that was the ultimate for her. They did a trivia before the movie started, too. And my my name, there was like this on-screen trivia that you played with an app on your phone. And my name for the trivia was Blast Points, all in caps. (laughs) Player Blast Points has entered the room, and the... The host of the trivia was like, oh, all in caps. They must be really excited about their name. Did you start yelling? iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play. <laughs> there were two things. One, I was doing really well. I was really proud of myself. One question was, what was the last Star Wars film to be issued on VHS? And I was like, what is this, Amateur Hour? Of course. <laughs> I know that. Then they started asking, like, reportedly, how much did Mark Hamill get paid for The Force Awakens? And I was like reportedly, like, I don't know, and I don't care. This isn't important, you know? Ask me what the code is to the trash compactor, or, you know? Let's 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 get serious here. Don't, like, you know, hypothetical, like, what if? So I kind of lost my standing with that. So at the end, the hosts had, uh, they thought it was a really funny question, where they were like, what was the worst Star Wars movie ever made? Was it Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, or all of the above? And the correct answer what? was yeah. And the correct answer was all the above. So I didn't vote for that, or I didn't I didn't answer that question out of protest. So I was like, I'm not taking part in this, you know. Yeah, that's kind of terrible to have it a official Star Wars trivia kind of thing. Yeah, so I was like, I'm just I'm not taking part in this anymore. <laughs> Somebody just... else can get the the twenty percent off Buddy's cute Buddy's Pizza coupon. <laughs> I'll pay full price. Yeah, that's fine. Should have just got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> and then waited till the movie started and then snuck back in. <laughs> but, you know, watching Force Awakens again was great, especially in the IMAX. Like, um, it was ridiculously huge. It was ridiculously loud. You know, that was my 11th time seeing it in the theater. And I noticed things for the first time. Like, I noticed Snoke has eyebrow hair. Did you ever notice Snoke has eyebrow hair? I didn't. And he's got little tiny hairs on the side of his head. Snoke had hair at one time. He was probably a handsome dude. He probably was. That's why he's so he hates Luke Skywalker so much. <laughs> he's just <laughs> jealous. Yeah, because Luke still has his golden hair. I hope Snoke wears a wears a wig at some part in the Last Jedi. Like a like a fancy dress toupee that he wears when he goes <laughs> to like parties on his ship. 
when he's entertaining guests. When Kaiba was talking to him in Force Awakens, it was just it was like nighttime. He was getting ready for bed. He's, he's just about to take his teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> he took the wig off. And he's, yeah, he's just got his bathrobe on. And he didn't have his pompadour, his gold pompadour. Episode 8. <laughs> Watch out. It's going to be crazy. Snoke's going to have a gold pompadour. Combing his fake hair all the time. <laughs> Every scene, a different wig. Oh, man. That would be pretty crazy. He's basically <laughs> like evil Padme with just big fake headdresses of hair. Got like a Three Stooges Mo bowl cut. Yeah, they tried to get do Three Stooges gags with Kylo and Hux. <laughs> Hux. Hux doesn't know the routine, so he's always messing it up. People in the theater just be looking at each other like, what's going on? Is this a, is this a real movie? We watch yeah. it real time. <laughs> <laughs> It was cool watching, you know, like the where it's very in fashion right now to diss on The Force Awakens. Like so many people, are like it was that one was for the kids or something. But I don't know. I still love it, and it was neat going back and watching it again, like in a movie theater, especially after watching Rogue One like a thousand times and being like we talked about this before, but seeing just how very different those two movies are. I'm. Kind of have the same reaction. I mean, as far as every time I watch Force Awakens now, I'm liking it. I still like it more and more. And I think once we get Episode Eight, I think it's going to make it even better, too, when when they have a friend. Even watching it again in the theater and kind of, especially the ending when um, Ray goes to uh, Achoo, just even the little bits we've seen of The Last Jedi, like even just watching the ending of Force Awakens again, it's so much more... I don't know, it's got so much more weight to it, kind of. Having seen a little bit of what's next. Knowing that it's basically, the end of that is just the beginning of eight, kind of. You mm-hmm. kind of know more what's going to happen instead of, like, okay, it's going to be three years later. You know that what you're seeing in Force Awakens is really, it's really the beginning of episode eight, if anything. Speaking of Last Jedi, there was a little bit of Last Jedi stuff happening out there last week. Good. Brother. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Last Jedi. There was an article about the droid change, like, between J.J. and Ryan Johnson. What was going on with that? Yeah, so pretty much I guess we did get, we got a little bit of, tidbits right on may the 4th and one of them yeah was that brief interview with ryan johnson about the end of force awakens which really surprised me basically he said that the original script was bb-8 was supposed to go with ray to find luke on a and he basically asked them to switch bb-8 with r2 which seemed really crazy to me because i can't imagine that they didn't think of that sooner like i don't know that seems like just a I don't know, like a big mistake that they would have made it that far. Like just as far as the previous story and the character, like how could you have a reunion with Luke and not think that R2 would need to be there? After I saw The Force Awakens for the first time, I was like, yes, of course, R2 goes to see his old master Luke because they're best friends. You know, and it's like, wait, wait, wait. At one time, I can't imagine like if R2 would have woken up, shown the rest of the map and then be like, no, I'm good. 
I don't need yeah. to see Master Luke. You know, I'll just chill here at the base. You go BB-8 because, you know, you're the new star of the show. It's like, no, like, R2 has to go. It's crazy. Right, and especially since they had the flashback scene of, like, the last time they were together, potentially, like, Luke putting his hand on R2. Like, it was just, I was kind of like, it blew me away that as much as it seems like J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan, like, know their Star Wars that they missed that. And it made me really uh, appreciate Ryan Johnson more and look forward to episode eight. Cause it seems like his head's in the right place. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, like he's thinking, thinking the characters through potentially even better than, than JJ or Lawrence Kasdan was doing. Yeah. It was, it was shocking. Shocking is a good word. Yeah. Cause I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Spit out your coffee. Like, yeah, kind of. I was like, well, why are they even admitting to that? You know, you're reading it on your phone as you're walking downstairs and you just fall down the rest of the stairs. Yeah, because it's almost like, I don't know, I would have just like, you should have kept that quiet. <laughs> you, you don't want to admit that you're like, you missed the point that much. That you're like, oh, yeah, we'll just send BB-8. It'll be cool. No. <laughs> I love BB-8 too, but... BB-8's not invited to that party. Yeah. Well, he could have came with. He could have. fine. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, you can't have Luke and not have R2. No. Yeah. Everybody could have came with. 3PO could have came with. They could have been like, all those people that they left on Dakar, they all could have been like, we're coming too. They were. That's why they were all waving. They were like, wait, we were supposed to come. <laughs> you, you forgot. PZ, everybody. G897. Yeah. L.O. Asty's twin brother that still Lucasfilm refuses to talk about. Nice T. Ice T. Yeah. Hello, Ice T. Isn't that one of those guys in the in the Poe comic? Or was that still Asty because the Poe comic was before Force Awakens? Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm just still hoping that when they had the Force for Change with Daisy and there was hopefully Asty's brother and not just bringing out his corpse. <laughs> It's it's Asty's twin brother. Hello, Ice T. This is Ice T talking to you, boy. I'ma tell you what time it is. Yo, it's time for me to pump up the volume. No problem. The record's revolving. Evil's the. There was some crazy stuff with the what scenes are going to be in 70 millimeter IMAX for Last Jedi because Last Jedi preview is now playing well you saw it right i haven't seen guardians of the galaxy yet as of recording this but you saw it over the weekend right yeah so i saw it in 3d at imax but i don't think the trailer was in imax where i saw it what it it was just in 3d i mean maybe it was was it little on the imax screen or something (laughs) i'm trying to remember if if the if some of the shots opened up to imax Aspect ratio or not. You know, I think I was distracted because, I'll be honest, I was disappointed in the 3D. Okay. Because it was one of those things where I was like, man, it feels like Disney, for whatever reason, or I guess it's not Disney, it's Lucasfilm, is like being really timid on pushing the 3D in the Star Wars movies. Like, I think we've talked about, like, Rogue One's 3D was, like, almost non-existent. And I remember at least the Force Awakens trailers they kind of pushed the 3D because I was like, oh, this looks cool. Last Jedi, the whole time, I was like, man, I can't. It doesn't look 3D at all. So I think I was d- distracted by that, that I didn't see if the aspect ratios changed. Because I think what made it even worse is that right afterwards they showed the Thor Ragnarok trailer, which is like super 3D. And it was weird going back and forth because like 
the last Jedi trailer ends with the space battle. And it was kind of like, I don't really see any 3D. And then, they, you know, you go to Thor Ragnarok and there's the couple shots of spaceships in it. And it was like super tons of depth to the to the stuff. So it's weird because they're both Disney movies. And for whatever reason, it seems like Marvel, whoever they have doing their conversions is like really pushing the depth in the movies. And then whoever's doing the Star Wars one is they basically look like they're not in 3D, but you're you have glasses on. (laughs) Which it's like I understand that some people don't like 3D, so I get not wanting to have a 3D version of the movie. But it's a little weird to let people pay extra to see it in 3D and sit with the glasses on when, like Rogue One, you couldn't you couldn't tell the difference. I mean, both Force Awakens and Rogue One. When I go back from multiple, multiple, multiple viewings, I just go 2D every time. Like if they can make a Star Wars 3D movie that looks like Star Tours 3D, I'm ready to go. It hasn't happened yet. Well, and that's what's, I know, it's unfortunate because if they don't want to do it, that's cool. Don't do it. But don't say it's in 3D, but don't let me pay for 3D yeah. <laughs> when it's not really in 3D. <laughs> but other than that, it was pretty cool to see the trailer big because uh, our IMAX, it's not one of the old school real deal IMAXs. But as far as the new school digital IMAXs, it's a pretty huge screen. So it was pretty cool. But there was there was an article out there of somebody who saw Guardians of the Galaxy, what in giant seventy millimeter IMAX, and they were talking about that kind of showing a glimpse of what scenes were shot in full IMAX, and like some of the like the 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 shots of the island are in full IMAX, and what what were some other ones? The Walker fight on crate. Oh, I think that one opened up. Yeah, the training scene on the mountain. So potentially the, all the uh, Achu stuff, or a good portion of it. Because it does look like the shot of Ray looking at the ocean is not in IMAX. But the uh, all the other like kind of like helicopter shots of the island are. And like stuff like Kylo Ren with his saber, I would imagine is not probably. Yeah, but it looks like Luke falling to his knees watching the Jedi Temple burn is in IMAX ratio. Which makes me wonder if maybe there's a big action scene <laughs> before or after that, right? Because it would be weird to just, I don't know, have things burning in IMAX. I don't know. Like when I read this article, I, I had kind of forgotten that in Force Awakens, the Falcon chase scene was really the only part that was in full IMAX. But it's mm-hmm. kind of cool to know that there's multiple, multiple scenes in The Last Jedi that are going to be... Um, Jumbo giant. But it's kind of a tease that there's, you know, with Star Wars being Star Wars and always kind of pushing the technology that they weren't able to do a full movie in IMAX or the new Transformers, the whole movie's filmed IMAX 3D, that it would be cooler. I would much rather see Star Wars all in IMAX 3D than uh, <laughs> the new Transformers movie. So, Well, when, Mike, when Michael Bay makes his Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of ready for that, I think, at this point. Let's do it. Oh, man. Michael Bay presents Explosions! Explosions from Michael Bay! We'll see. Episode 9, maybe that'll be all in, in uh, IMAX 3D. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the standalones don't get there soon enough. Since, like, Rogue One was all the high-res uh, digital, what, Han Solo looks like it's being filmed digital, so maybe whatever the third 
standalone ends up being because I believe they're shooting the uh, new Avengers movies in digital IMAX. Makes sense. The whole movie, so that you know, could potentially see the whole movie in in IMAX res. Well, you know, if the rumors are true and the third standalone movie is all Watto, it would be make perfect sense to do that all digital in IMAX 3D. Life size Watto just flying around the theater, <laughs> you know, and then they just zoom in on his face. <laughs> You can count his beard hairs. Hey, it's my movie. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's, let's have an adventure. Get your popcorn. It would be great. Did you did you see King Kong in IMAX? I did. Way? I sure did. Did you like how, because King Kong had its own IMAX countdown. Yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So maybe the Watto movie would have that, and it would just be Watto doing the countdown. <laughs> like eight. Seven. Six. Okay, that beats. Here we go. Time for Watto's movie. Hey. <laughs> it has been five years since we first felt the force, and it's stronger than ever. There is only one way to celebrate the fifth anniversary of Star Wars. See it again. Join Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia. Han Solo, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, C-3PO and R2-D2. Come on, R2, we're going. Join in the celebration this summer when Star Wars returns to a galaxy near you. Star Wars starts August 13th for three weeks only. will be with you always all right so this episode and next episode we're kind of talking about the 40th anniversary of the original star wars and before next week when we go headfirst into episode four this week we're talking about what was before episode four the many 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 drafts that george lucas did of star wars and they're bizarre. Yeah, I was like, this will be fun. Let's figure this out. And then, you know, I get out the annotated screenplays book. I get out uh, Jonathan Rensler's Making of Star Wars book. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's like 25 million of these. <laughs> and not a single one of them makes sense. Gabe, you took a look at the the comic that came out, right? Yeah, so I think after spending all that time with the Making of Star Wars book, Rinsler pitched doing a comic adaptation of one of the drafts and the com- and just like the rest the comic like doesn't make any sense either but there's pictures to go with it so the visual aids help a lot but it it's yeah it's wild it's crazy stuff and a lot of it's kind of nonsense so but yeah it was fun it was fun to go read it cuz I had I had not got around to reading it yet we're going to go through these and Gabe stay with me and let me know when this stops making sense. And I, I believe the comic will add up with with the, uh, I think the May 74 draft is what we figured out. But the, the first time in, in Rinsler's book, we recorded history of Lucas first starting to talk about his crazy ideas for a sci-fi movie is uh, 1968 when he's working with Francis Coppola on The Rain People. And he's talking to them about how he's toying the idea of making like a Flash Gordon 
space movie, and I think everybody blows him off, but he writes his first draft, which is considered the very first draft in 1973. It's a handwritten, two-page, just kind of collection of ideas. Uh, the Journal Wills, part one, where we're, we're introduced to Mace Windy, a revered Jedi Bendu of Opu- Opuchi, who's also, Gabe, he's also the warlord of the chairman of Independent Systems, I believe. Okay. And he's got his student, C.J. Thorpe, who's a Padawan learner. And it's kind of interesting because these are concepts that kind of didn't come back until The Phantom Menace. But you got C.J. Thorpe, whose full name is Chewie 2 Thorpe of Kissel. He's 16 years old, and he wants to enter the Inner, Inner Systems Academy to train to be a Jedi Templar. And they are guardians of a shipment of fusion portables to Yavin. And they're, they're somehow in their mission summoned to the desolate second moon of Yoshiro. Okay. That's about all you got in the two-page <laughs> draft. And that's, I, figured, I think that's all you need. It's enough to know you're either into it or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> when he's pitching that to people. He, he doesn't come back until May of 73 with um, the Star Wars where this time you got uh, the Hidden Fortress as a greater influence. This one actually opens up in space. It's a little bit more detailed. A sleek fighter comes up with two more fighters behind it, and they're going towards a giant space fortress. They start attacking it, but then we cut to a rebel, a rebel princess who is fleeing across the galaxy with a treasure, right? Okay. Also keep in mind this all takes place in the 23rd century. Uh, one of her generals is this guy named Luke Skywalker. So these two bureaucrats escape from this, the, the big space station, which isn't called the Death Star yet, I don't think. And they, they hide on uh, Aquilae. Okay. They're hiding there on Aquilae, and they're disguised as farmers, right? Luke, I, if I have this right, which I could be totally wrong, Luke and the rebel princess also go to Aquilae, in where they also are disguised as farmers. So just everyone's disguised as farmers in this version. That's what you do. Which, again, Qui-Gon, when they're on Tatooine, you got to just blend in with the local folk. That's true. They travel across the wastelands of Aquilae to a spaceport city, Gordon, where they find a ship that will hopefully take them to Opuchi. Why they want to go to Opuchi, I have no idea. That part goes with the comic, potentially, because the comic does have them going to the spaceport of Gordon. Okay. But the rest of what you were saying is not the comic. And that's one of the things I wasn't clear on. And I don't know if you were able to find any information as far as if there was a, if it was a particular draft they used for the comic or if they picked and choosed from the different drafts to make the comic story. I think the comic is the next one because this then gets really crazy where they arrive at a ruined religious temple where there's a band of rebel boys who are hiding there. And Luke defends them from a huge beast. And then the rebel boys are like part of the gang. Then they all head to a cantina where some aliens pick on Skywalker and he uses his laser sword to cut them down. They make they find a contact of the ship, but they're um, reported on by a spy. They steal the ship. There's a huge dogfight. They crash land on Yavin where they land on Yavin and they're watched by like a giant furry alien. Skywalker does battle with... Like the furry aliens, while he's riding on a giant bird. There are giant birds in the in the uh, comic version, but they're on Aquilae. because okay. <laughs> basically the stormtroopers ride ostriches, pretty much. I'm into that. 
basically Luke and the boys go into ships and they fight their way to the Imperial prison. And then it ends with a huge parade with a celebration because they blew up the big Death Star thing. Which I'm kind of into this draft, even though it makes zero sense. I think it's just Luke Skywalker flying on a giant bird. Yeah, because you can't really ever go wrong with that. No. We're still, I'm still waiting for live action bird flying. I mean, I guess we got a little bit in Revenge of the Sith, but, and in Attack of the Clones, actually, but never, uh, none of the main characters never got to fly in the birds. So he wrote this in May of 73. So according to IMDb, American Graffiti came out in September 73. So this is before the release of American Graffiti. He wrote this one. In between this time, like, maybe he's going to do Apocalypse Now. Maybe he's not. He doesn't. Apocalypse Now, he doesn't want to do it. So he decides to focus full on into Star Wars, which brings us to the May 74 draft, which, in my opinion, makes the absolute least sense. Maybe that's the one they use for the comic. (laughs) So in the comic, is, is Han a swamp creature? Yes. I mean, like, he doesn't live in the swamp, but he's a big, giant, green thing. Yes. Is there Captain Anakin Starkiller, and he's 18 years old? Yes. Does it open up with a crawl, and Utapau has five moons? Yes. Okay, so this is it. So, Gabe, tell me, please tell me, what is the comic about? Okay, so the comic starts out, there is a crawl, which I, this is where... I don't know how much of this is word for word from the drafts or if Rinsler kind of elaborated on them. Because um, is there a crawl list written in uh, for this draft in the book? Yes. Um, until the recent Great Rebellion, the Jedi Bendu were the most feared warriors in the universe. Does it start yep. with that? Okay. Yep. Okay. So this starts with that crawl, which it is cool. They call them the Knights of Sith, which... I'm guessing was inspiration for the Knights of Ren. But yeah, so it starts with the crawl. There's a ship basically flying to uh, Fourth Moon of Yavin. No, sorry, Fourth Moon of Utapau, where, yeah, basically the young Anakin Starkiller sees that the, a ship is coming. Um, he runs to their little hut that they're living in, which was interesting because this is basically the beginning of Rogue One. <laughs> Also very similar to um, The Force Awakens. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's more Rogue One, though, because it's basically there's a family that's in hiding on a remote planet. And one of the children sees a ship come into the atmosphere that found them, basically, because mm-hmm. they were on, they were hiding out from basically hiding out from the Sith. And yeah, so it's Anakin, Starkiller, his dad, Kane, Starkiller, and then their little brother, Deke Starkiller, who's immediately murdered. Yes. <laughs> Which is pretty harsh compared to, you know, what we end up with in Star Wars we know of now. So there's, yeah, there's that little, like, intro scene. Basically, the Sith warrior shows up. Anakin doesn't kill him. He kills his brother. Kane kills him. And then they basically are like, okay, we got to get out of here. It's a lot of yelling and crying. <laughs> we got to go to, we got to go to Aqualai. Yeah, we got to go home, back to Aquilae. I didn't get that, that that's their home. But yeah, basically he says, son, plot a course for Aquilae, and then Anakin's like, we're going home? And then with tears in his eyes, Kane's like, we both need a rest. So it starts out, and, and at the beginning I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. This kind of neat reading, like, this alternate version of Star Wars, and it's kind of like watching one of the 
Star Wars knockoff movies that came out where it was like <laughs> not quite Star Wars, but it's close enough to where you you can enjoy yourself. But basically, yeah, then it jumps to oh, what planet is this? Is it Alderaan? It is Alderaan where the Galactic Empire is. Yeah. yeah. So we see the the emperor who's just this politician dude and then there's uh Hodak, Governor Hodak or something like that. No, does the um, comic have the guy with the best name ever, King Chaos? I do not think there's a King Chaos. <laughs> Unless, wait, so who's King Chaos? He, all I know is King Chaos, it sometimes says, may the force of others be with you. Oh, maybe that's the king on Aqualay? The the light king, the light king and queen? Well, let's see. I, let's see. We'll get there. <laughs> I have because, notes, but they're filled with question marks. and Yeah, there's like, there's a guy, the thing with the comic that's, I don't know, sometimes it's cool and sometimes it's not is like, Reading the words, it's cool that it's like this early draft with the art. They don't always know what to do. So sometimes it's kind of inspired by unused concept art. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's too inspired by things in the movies. And it kind of gives it like there's a guy that uh, Whitson, who's uh, yeah. kind of like a Han Solo kind of guy. He goes and meets this guy in a bar who looks just like we're the bar- bartender, but he's in a fur coat, which he's just some... I don't know. It's almost like human Java, maybe. I don't know. I wasn't quite <laughs> sure who he was. Yeah, you know, the King King Chaos has two sons, Biggs and Windy. Yes, so that's the Aqualai King. Yeah. So basically, okay. all right. So yeah, they cut to uh, eventually they cut to Aqualay, which feels like the beginning of uh, Phantom Menace a little bit. And there's like the chamber. Uh, yeah, it is King Chaos. Yeah, it's Chaos. <laughs> When I read it, I, I wasn't paying that close attention, I think, because of the way it's spelled. But I like them always talking about the the Chrome companies. I had no but idea what that meant. In the comic, there's a scene with before little little Deke gets killed where he says, yippee. Yippee! But yeah, they get to Aquilae. There's some political mumbo-jumbo stuff. General, General Skywalker shows up. We meet Count Sandage. And then, yeah, we meet the twins, King Chaos. One neat thing in the comic, though, is there's a couple, there's one panel in particular where they drew Leia where she looks just like Billy Lord. But then she doesn't ever look like that in any other panels. (laughs) So maybe they changed their mind. Man, then it just keeps getting weirder. There's a a bunch of scenes with General Luke Skywalker just like talking to people on Aqualay. And then all of a sudden there's a ruckus, and then uh, Anakin and Kane show up. And Kane is like a cyborg man. Yeah, and he's like normal, and then he gets really angry, and then he's basically like rips his clothes off and shows that he's a robot pretty much. As as people as you do. But what was cool is I was like, man, it's kind of it kind of felt like Saw a little bit, because he says there's nothing left of me. Did you come here to kill me? much of me left only he kicks it up because he's like there's nothing left of me but my head and right arm basically <laughs> is all he's got well you know if saw Guerrero would have ripped off his shirt who knows what was underneath you know so basically he says he's dying and he asks luke to train anakin and then he kind of disappears uh which gets weird later because he comes back and when he comes back there's it doesn't seem like there was any thought to like why he came back because all of a sudden he's back, and, it, and if you were reading it, it almost seems like the scenes you saw earlier never happened. So it's like there was a draft where he he leaves Anakin to be trained, and then there was a different draft where Kanan just comes back. But 
it did it wasn't the same draft so it doesn't make any sense <laughs> i'm so confused so d- doesn't eventually they they get word that there's like a death star or something and general yeah. skywalker tells anakin star killer that he's got to go get leia or something yeah cuz the the death star thing shows up and they basically attack it but during the battle the king gets killed um, and because the king's killed, basically that uh, Count Sandage, the senator, makes a deal with the Empire. But then the Empire still kills all the spaceships anyway. And then it, there's this one panel where Anakin's just randomly, like, making out with a girl, I think. <laughs> just, like, with no no context. Just all of a sudden there's a panel where he's, like, trying to kiss a girl. And then Luke freaks out and, like, lightsaber fights him for a minute. You are so beautiful. It's only because I'm so in love. No. <laughs> no, it's because I'm so in love with you. But yeah, so the, the Empire takes over. Basically, Leia was on her way back to college, I think, <laughs> to space college. <laughs> so Anakin has to go get her and bring her back because she's like the ruler now because the dad's dead and the mom is the queen by marriage. So... The Senate won't listen to her. It's really complicated. Just interrupt and just remind people that this doesn't make any sense to us either. No, no. I mean, there's a couple other things. Is is when the Death Star attacks Aquile, again, it's another thing. It's very similar to Rogue One. It's like the Death Star is a smaller, well, I guess it's the same size as the regular Death Star, but it doesn't blow the planet up. It's just like shooting lasers at the surface and kind of exploding things on the surface. It's very Rogue One, and even the way some of the panels are drawn kind of looks like the Rogue One stuff. So again, I kind of feel like somebody, when they were working on Rogue One, was, if not reading these drafts, was looking at this comic. Um, And it does cut to the droids on the Death Star, which is kind of fits in with what Lucas said, where he took the middle of one of the drafts to make A New Hope. But R2-D2 has lines, which is wild. Then it, like, jumps to a cantina. They meet with Han Solo, right? They have to go to the Space Fortress, but they all put themselves in hibernation. But they need an energy pack, and Kane rips one from his chest, right? And says, may the force of others be with you before he dies. Before they get to... (laughs) The Han Solo part is when the stormtroopers on ostriches show up. The stormtroopers have lightsabers. Anakin and Luke are fighting them. There's a part where they run into that Count Sandage guy again, and Luke just cuts him in half because he, like, betrayed the planet. And then there's the scene I was talking about, basically, where I think it's, like, Anakin and Leia and then her two little brothers, Wendy and whatever. Deke's the kid that oh, dies. Biggs, Biggs. Yeah, Biggs and Wendy. They're singing a song. So maybe in one of the drafts there's a song? Because it has the line, so they live by the sea and Aquilae was always free. And the panel's like the kids like smiling and singing this song while they're in the land speeder. Star Wars needed songs. Yeah, so maybe Star Wars songs have been there forever. We celebrate. But then they get to, yeah, then they get to the Gordon Spaceport 
and find Lizard Han Solo. Oh, but no, I forgot. Yeah. So then before the whole Kane scene, basically the the story in the comic is the Empire is going to find the kids. They got to sneak into like public transport or something. And they're like, how are we going to hide the kids? So they decide, well, if we put the kids to sleep, we can just put them in these like space barrels and carry the barrels around. No one will know the kids are in there because they're, they're like in hypersleep kind of a thing. But they need batteries for that, and they can only find one battery. And that's when Kane sacrifices himself to give them the battery to put the kids in these barrels. And then the rest of, like, half of the story, they're, like, carrying these barrels on their back that have, like, hibernating kids in them. <laughs> so eventually they make it to, like, the inside of the Death Star or something? Yeah. But, you know, another here's another thing, though. Before that, basically after Kane kills himself, it's kind of the Return of the Jedi Vader death scene with Anakin holding his father who's a robot and dying and telling him, you know, it seems like that scene has kind of became the Vader death scene, which is so weird. It's just all this like ridiculous nonsense. And then every once in a while, like, Oh yeah, that ended up in one of the movies. So they go on the death star. Eventually they escape the death star and they land on a planet and they come across Wookiees, right? Something. Yeah. They get on the Wookiee planet, but they know a dude that lives on the Wookiee planet. There's just like a human guy living there. And what's weird is it's like it's the holiday special because there's this human guy who lives on the Wookiee planet in a Wookiee hut and he has a kid. And then like the stormtroopers break in later. It's really weird. Like the holiday special story is almost like in this draft. It almost kind of reminds me, too, of um, Ewok's battle for Endor and Wilford Brimley's character. It is like Lucas had his like he found this uh, box of stuff that fell from space (laughs) and like whenever he needed a new project, he would just go back into his secret book from space and pick some stuff because it was all magic, magical gold. So Luke (laughs) trains the Wookiees to fly spaceships. Yes. So first, well, it's not Luke. Anakin, I think, fights the toughest Wookiee who happens to be Chewbacca. Of course. And like earns their respect. So then, yeah, they teach him to fly spaceships, which... I was like, man, that's just like Battlefield Earth. But I didn't realize, then I looked it up, I was like, Battlefield Earth came out after this. So I thought maybe at first I was like, oh, Lucas must have read Battlefield Earth. But somehow Alron Hubbard read these drafts. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, oh, I like that part. I'm going to have cavemen learn to fly spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too much. And the Wookiees basically paint crazy pictures on the ships, too. So the the princess is rescued. They escape. Like, some people are still on the Death Star, and they escape through the trash compactor. And Skywalker knocks out the power, and they all get in the life pods and escape. And the, the fake Death Star explodes, right? Um, at some point, too, there's, like, Anakin decides he loves Leia, just, mm-hmm. like, out of the blue. Like, there's just one panel where he's like, I love her. So then it gets really weird because there's at some point Anakin sneaks into the Death Star disguised as a stormtrooper. Right. But he gets captured by the Sith guy, Valorum, who is not Chancellor Valorum, Prince Valorum, Knight of the Sith, because he's the Sith. Vader's just some general dude who in the comic looks like Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat, where he just has like the cyborg red eye. Not Kano, but when like a mix between Kano. Kano and Sub-Zero when he had, like, the scar eye, whatever. 
It's weird. <laughs> um, but Valorum like is interrogating him, which is kind of cool because it looks just like the scene in Force Awakens when Kylo's interrogating Rey. So like, oh, maybe maybe Force Awakens got a little bit from this. But then just out of nowhere, Valorum decides oh, I'm going to be a good guy, and him and Anakin team up, and that's how they end up basically subduing everybody inside while the outside stuff is happening. And they all like Valorum goes in the garbage chute with them. And honestly, I think I read this twice now. I don't know what happens to Valorum because he must die because I don't think he's there at the end. I don't know. I don't think you're meant to know. You know, it's Just images, feelings. Yeah. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing with this is I was like, okay, cool. They took, because I remember reading the Rinsler book and like, man, these drafts are all over the place. This stuff is crazy. And then like, okay, they're going to do a comic book. They're going to kind of like pick and choose and make a coherent sto- story out of it. But they didn't. No, it's impossible. There, so there's another draft from January 75, which gets a little bit closer to what we know. It starts out, there's a kind of a cool scene in the beginning where it starts out with ships being chased and vader instead of coming in the ship there's a whole battle on top of the ship outside oh wow okay which kind of makes sense with that macquarie art where like the person battling vader has like the the breathing mask on yeah you're right okay there's one part where vader has a saber in one hand and in his other hand he's got these tiny little magnetic balls that fly out of his hand and kill everybody but that one gets a little bit closer where R2 and C-3PO, they go to Utapau, they're captured by Jawas, they they start like a droid revolution on the Jawa Sandcrawler and they break out. Um, they make their way to Owen and Baru's farm and they meet Luke and his twin brother, twin brothers Biggs and Wendy and his, okay. six, his 16-year-old cousin Leia, who is okay. Owen and Baru's daughter. I don't know. Oh, and that reminds me, the, the crazy old man who lived on the Wookiee planet was Kleeg. Kleeg so, Lars. Yeah, I don't know if his last name was Lars, but he was a Kleeg. Your mother's so. dead, son. Just just admit it. Just get it over with. I've, I've moved on. Kleeg Lars. Shmee's my wife. Yes, I have no leg. But um, she'll heal soon. Oh, the doctor it's says, good. just gotta heal. <laughs> It'll grow I'd, back eventually. I'd go after her, but... I got no leg. I don't know if you noticed, kid. So 3PO and R2 say they're looking for Angel Blue. Angel Blue is Luke's code name. Weird. When, yeah, when I read that, I was like, why didn't we name the podcast Angel Blue? Um, <laughs> it's, it's never too late to change it. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. You bought a shirt. Just scratch over it with marker. <laughs> Tune in That's next right. week for episode 73 of Angel Blue. Luke Skywalker is training with his laser sword. Uh, R2-D2 plays a hologram from Deke, and they have to take the kyber crystal to the father on Organa Major. The father is the star killer. Luke's torn. He wants to stay and complete his archaeology studies. Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. But he decides to accept the challenge. Uh, he visits his mother's grave as the twin sons on Utapau sets. So there's a lot in there, you know. Luke uh, then talks a lot about the Ashla and the Bogan, the light side and the dark. The Skywalker is like a legend of a chosen one in the past who discovered the force of others. Uh, basically, Luke then tells the story of the prequels. Vader is in this thing, and he's called the Dark Lighter. 
Luke takes the robots and the kyber crystals, and he takes off to the cantina. He meets Chewie and Han. They jump to hyperskip, not hyperspace, hyperskip, but Organa Major's gone. So a lot of this sounds like what they were reading for during the auditions. Yeah, you're right. That makes sense. There was the the whole thing of, like, Organa Major's gone. So crazy. They head to a Death Star, and there's all kinds of other crazy stuff. There's more stuff with the kyber crystal. But the the most interesting thing is this is it ends. They blow up the Death Star, right? And pretty much at the end, there's like, tune in for the next story called The Princess of Andos. Now, around this time, this is interesting because he's giving all these drafts to Alan Ladd Jr. And Alan Ladd Jr. is extremely confused, right? And Coppola is reading all these drafts. And Coppola is like, you need to make some changes. And I think the word that Rinsler uses for Coppola's reaction to these scripts is he's perplexed. That's, now, pretty, that's a pretty good word. Now, after this draft, the big thing that really changes is Ralph McQuarrie comes in. And he has Ralph McQuarrie start doing illustrations of some of the stuff that's in the scripts. That makes a lot of sense, though, that it seems... It seems like George Lucas is more of a visual guy anyway, and that not having visuals, it was probably hard to pick and choose from all the nonsense. What nonsense was the best nonsense? So kind of after that, once Macquarie comes in, there's all this stuff with the board of directors at 20th Century Fox being like, this script is makes no sense. And Alan Ladd Jr. is the only one who's like, well... He's still fine-tuning this thing, and I believe in whatever this final project will be. And he's kind of showing, like, the board directors at Fox, like, he's got this guy, Ralph McQuarrie, doing this concept art, and this is kind of what this all is going to look like. So meanwhile, there's there's more scripts, and eventually, kind of around 75, and early January 76 is when Willard Hike and Gloria Katz come in. To do some fine polishing, there's whole parts in uh, the making of book with Lucas and Gary Kurtz kind of sitting down and going through the whole screenplay beat by beat and kind of like trying to wrangle this thing in to make some sense. There's a lot of wrangling to be had (laughs) in some of this stuff. But then it's crazy because then March 22nd, 1976, filming begins in Tunisia. And before a final draft was even completed, Ben Burt was going around recording sounds. Well, yeah, because weren't they even, they were still working on the script while they were filming in Tunisia, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just fascinating. Like a movie that's considered, or a movie that is such a masterpiece and considered now to be such a, a classic was so very unfinished until the absolute last minute. Yeah, in like every aspect too, like the script, how they even were going to do the effects. So I wonder too, some of the stuff with the kind of the story coming together too is didn't, isn't that when all the like Joseph Campbell stuff kind of came in? And you can see as soon as Lucas kind of starts to get turned on to that, everything in the story starts to kind of fall into place and become simplified. Right. Cause the earlier drafts seem more inspired by like Kurosawa films and, and Flash Gordon specifically like not even so much an inspiration as far as like you know this is stuff that you would see or hear in a flash gordon episode yeah it's it's like it's like all the 
Star Wars, like we're going to this adventure, to that adventure, to that adventure without any of the any of the deep stuff. Right. And once the Campbell stuff kind of came in and there was kind of some direction to the deep stuff and some I mean, I guess along with that came kind of the general structure of of a myth story that he was able to take all these wild ideas and map them to that structure and start to come together to something that made <laughs> made sense to people yeah. and wasn't just pure Lucas wild stuff. Another thing to think about, and I wonder if we'll ever see it, is how much similar stuff to this are the drafts that he sold to Disney for seven, eight, nine. I mean, I think that's a definitely a fascinating story yet to be told. It's interesting that Rinsler might be one of the people with the inside knowledge, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those seven, eight, nine rough outlines were, you know, anyone listening to this show, you know, we love the Lucas a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of gobbledygook in there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there was. I think that's what's exciting is like what because it does feel like as much as Lucas didn't think they were, they're taking stuff in his drafts and they're taking their their own stuff and they're mixing it all together. But, yeah, like what what's the real wild stuff in these Lucas drafts that maybe they're scared to do? Like, I want to (laughs) know. At least let us know. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll know. But, you know, I mean, I understand that they don't want to release it because. Just like these old drafts, they could still be picking and choosing what they want to use and not just the saga films, but the spinoff films. Plus the however many 50, 100 scripts they have for the live action show. Right. Which were all kind of written with Lucas input, right? So who <laughs> crazy stuff in those two, probably. Or even what Filoni's planning on doing in the future, you know? Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if reading through all this stuff if I'm any less confused, but I at least feel like you kind of can see the progress and the progression of what Lucas was going for. It's neat to see how much, and it is kind of like, I think a testament to, you know, George Lucas is like the idea guy. Like he was always able to come up with tons of just scenarios and situations and just wild stuff that he almost had, too much of it and if anything i mean that's even you know people watching the prequels it's like there wasn't a lack of stuff in those films <laughs> so it's like he hasn't in that aspect he hasn't lost a beat at all as far as like coming up with the crazy i think it's a pipe dream but i would love to see him creatively involved in another star wars project again but who knows it could happen and if not i mean again he has there's so many ideas in these things that you know there's his his input is going to be a part of the new Star Wars stuff for as long, you know, yeah, forever, forever, forever potentially. Yeah. Yeah. The dark side is pleasure, biological and temporary and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting and difficult to achieve. Great challenge. Must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. (laughs) Remember, the Force will be with you always.
So Gabe, we, we still got a bunch of iTunes reviews to get through, a bunch of old iTunes reviews. People have been sending them in for a while. And let's, let's, let's read a couple of them here. We got about a handful left. We'll do a couple here. All right. Our first one is from Ankel Crispy. And Ankel Crispy wrote Saw Gerrera Clip-On Bowtie. It's refreshing to hear conversations about Star Wars, Star Wars Obscura that isn't from snarky, entitled, rage nerd, fanboy, trivia fascists. Which we were, you know, we were talking about some trivia earlier. but It's true. But from dudes that have an unadulterated love for all facets of the franchise. I come for the conversations, but I stay for the Saw Gerrera impressions. Happy St. Panaka Day. <laughs> so, aw. Thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. Now, our next one we just got recently, and it's called, um, titled Star Wars, and then like a little heart, so may it's Star Wars Love. And it's from Barbarian Twin Lover, which I am hoping that's a reference to the Barbarian Brothers, the twin brothers, star of the film, The Barbarians. I hope so. Beautiful films. And Barbarian Twin Lover writes, Congratulations on making the Star Wars podcast I wish I had created. They're exhaustive, read-along records, toy commercials, docs, books, etc. I wouldn't be surprised if they did an episode about the George Lucas awkward interview with Master P. They love Star Wars, aren't painfully nerdy or desperate about it. Great editing, too. Don't stop. Now... Thank you, Barbarian Twin Lover, so much. But when I read this review, I was like, wait a minute, Master P, George Lucas interview? I've never seen that. So I texted you, Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And then we both, we saw the Master P, George Lucas interview, and we're forever changed. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to recover from that. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to find out... You know, with Yoda, was he was he high or something? On this one? Yeah. No, no. Because he talked slow, you know. And well, he talked slow in all the movies. It's just, you know, people don't realize how. But, you know, how people slow from like. MTV, all the viewers out there was like, man, you know, what kind of herb was Yoda smoking? I'm like, <laughs> I don't think George did nothing like that no, to him, but no. he, he just, that's the yeah, way he yeah, talked. Yeah, if you, hear him, if you hear him in Empire Strikes Back and. You know, he, he talks, you know, he's old. Yeah. He's, he's, 800, he's 800 years old. Frank Oz. Is he that yeah. small? Well, and do we even know if we found all of it? I do don't you know. know. We've only seen those two parts at least. Yeah, there's a Hayden Christensen one. There's a George Lucas one. But we have you to thank, Barbarian yeah. Twin Lover. Yeah, if we could write a review for you, you would totally get five stars because... <laughs> It's like we're always amazed when, you know, 40 years in, there's new Star Wars stuff that just completely blows our minds. So thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Hi, J.J. Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode Seven, thank you. Yeah, thank you both for your great reviews. And, uh, and after you're done listening to this episode, you should go over to iTunes, write us a five-star review, write something awesome. We'll read it on an upcoming show. And if you do that, 
leave us a good review. It helps the show out so much on iTunes, helps other people find it, moves us up those weird charts on there that make no sense, but it helps us out. So thank you very much. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, where we have Rebels reviews, stories, recipes, Darthfield comics, all kinds of stuff. And check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and anywhere Star Wars podcasts are, you can get Blast Points. Yeah, and don't forget on BlastPointsPodcast.com, you can order the hottest fashion accessory for the summer, Blast Points t-shirts. They're pretty hot. Yeah, we got lots of different sizes, lots of different styles. So the link to get your Blast Points t-shirt is right there on BlastPointsPodcast.com. But yeah, tune in next week. We're going to be going through Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, whatever you want to call it. I've seen it a few times. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was pretty good. It should be going, uh, but that about wraps up episode number 72. And um, if you can figure out what's going on in those drafts, please let us know. Please do. (laughs) Or if, yeah, maybe you can uh, edit your own draft together and pick and choose the best of the best. The super draft. The draft special edition. Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. very hard on a piece of paper and a script to get the full essence of what's going to actually happen or how that well that's going to work on the screen or not work on the screen. And so what I like to do is just accept that fact. When I actually see the thing play out on the screen, I'm going to come up with other ideas about how to tell the story or how, where the blank spots are or things that aren't necessary that I can cut out, which is a normal editing process. I just take that to the extreme. May the force be with all of you.